Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. All right, we got two readings this morning. Uh, first is in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. And the, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. All right, now we're in Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness with patience bearing with one another in love eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace there is one body and the and one spirit just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call one lord one faith one baptism one god and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. All right. So it wasn't that long ago when we celebrated Easter. And sometimes we get removed from Easter pretty quickly. But, the, but, but like Jesus came. He lived a per- perfect life. Like we, we walked through the gospel this morning. And he gave his life was slaughtered on a cross, he was buried, and he rose again. Now listen, I'm going to maybe assume some things here this morning. I think we're all there. Amen? Like, yes, praise God, Jesus did that. We're there. Okay? Well, he raises from the dead. Witnesses see him. And he makes a promise of his spirit. He says, I got to go, but here's the deal. Something better. I'm going to send something even better. I'm going to send my spirit. And we get to Acts chapter 2, which is part is the good news. It is the gospel that the Holy Spirit indwells believers. We see that in Acts 2 where the Holy Spirit comes. And we saw a picture of it. We read what was going on in this new thing, this new movement of Jesus, this new church. We, we, we witness in Acts chapter 2 how they lived. And I want us to understand this this morning, okay? We, we believe what Jesus did for us. We know what he did for us. And I want us to get this out of the gate because Jesus died for so much more than just so that we could come to church on Sunday mornings and do this for an hour. So much more. And, and, and my, my, my fear is that as we see Acts 2, as we read Ephesians 4, that that's like, well, that's, that's back then. 
And I want to call us, and I want us to be reminded that it's not just for back then. In Acts 2, we, we saw teaching, we saw fellowship, we saw breaking bread together, we saw prayer, we saw generosity, we saw worship, we saw praise. And this great picture of, of devotion and commitment. And you can turn a few pages over in, into Ephesians where we saw humility, we saw gentleness, we saw patience, we saw bearing in love, we saw bonded people. Basically, what we see in both of those passages is family. Now, I say family, I don't know what comes to your mind. Maybe one, or two, one of two things are a combination of both. Maybe when some of you hear family, you, you get warm fuzzies. Like, yes, grew up in a great family. I love being with my family. Family was a great thing for you. But then for some of you, you hear the word family, and it's kind of a cringeworthy word because Maybe for some of you, you grew up in a ton of dysfunction. But I want us to just see this morning um, what God might have for us. And I want us to realize that we are part of a family. And I think what, what has happened is over time, I think, I think that our culture has reduced the Christian life into coming to church with your family. Okay, now listen, I'm a family guy. I, I, we can sit and talk for days and days on the importance of the family, okay, of engaged fathers, of engaged mothers. Like, I'm in on that. No question about it. I'm not knocking that. I, I'm, I'm just saying that there is more to the Christian life than just coming to church with your family. Now, let me say this. <laughs> There is more to the Christian life than coming to church with your family, reading your Bible with your family, and praying with your family. There is more to the Christian life than that, but there certainly isn't less. Okay? So just know that. So, so at our church, we have what's called core values. There's going to be a slide up. Throw that slide up. I'm just going to go right off this slide, right? So we have what we call our outward Right? We want to be thinking outward, outside of our walls. We think about the next generation, specifically the campuses in our town, for the city. We want to be churches for the city. We want to be a church that multiplies. And then we have inward ones. All right, so throw those up. Do you have those? Are they up? Oh, right here. I got you. That circle's not showing on my Okay. So we are going to be a gospel-centered family. That is a priority of ours. We, we want to be a church family, and then we prioritize leadership development in these walls. That's one part of the Hill City Leadership Institute. Now, if I had to just, just really go gut level with you, here, here's, here's what I think. This is Brad. I think that we are church family is more of an aspirational core value than it is reality. And that's what I want to talk to us about today. I want us to be a church family. I want this for us. I think God wants this for us. And I'm just going to come out of the gate. Man, this is a humbling thing. Because when Daniel and I were, we are going to plant this church, we went and talked to, I mean, 100 pastors, right? And, 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 and we gleaned wisdom. And one, one of the pastors said this, and it's, it's stayed with me, right? He said, hey, whatever's wrong with your church in five years, is that's what's wrong with your leadership. Basically, that's what's wrong with you. <laughs> I don't feel like we're a church family, and I've had to look in the mirror over this a lot. And we need to address it. 
And I'm, I, am, I am confessing to you this morning, I have not acted like a family member with you all like I believe I should be, like I can be. We are a family. And here's the deal, that can be challenging. It will be challenging. Why? Because people are challenging. Listen, we are complicated here, okay? You know why? Because our blood is red and we are people and family is complicated. We're, we are messed up. Just, just think, think about this for me. Blank would be so much easier if it wasn't for the people. <laughs> Work would be way easier if it wasn't for people. Church would actually be a lot easier it wasn't for people. School would be way easier for most of you unless you're a cheater. Then you can't get through school without other people. But that, we're not talking about that. But you get my point. People are messy. We're complicated. People let us down. People frustrate us. It's like, surely, Lord, like, surely you got a plan that doesn't involve people, right? Please. But he doesn't. He does it. He, he, he actually is God with us. And the Bible says that he actually adopts us into his family. And Hill City Church, we are family. He wants us to jump into the complications. He wants us to, to, to treat each other like brothers and sisters. We are family. When you hear that, do you say, we are family, or, wait, wait we, we are family? <laughs> so what's going on in, in our culture, right? Let's just take a look. What's going on in our culture that is a stumbling block in the way of living like we are the family of God? What is happening in our world that keeps us from living like family? Quite simply, here's the answer, sin. Sin is what keeps us from living this way. But more specifically, I want, to go, I want to get a little bit in the weeds. This isn't going to be exhaustive, but I want to talk about two specifically that I think are prevalent in our culture. I think this idea of isolation and the idea of elevation. Isolation and elevation. Like sin and our flesh will isolate and they will elevate. And here's the fruit. Ready? This fruit of isolation is loneliness. And the fruit of elevation is narcissism. So loneliness, either I'm, 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 I'm forced into it or I just choose it. Like I don't want to be around others, I don't need others, and therefore I have a life of loneliness. Or narcissism, I am the absolute center of the universe. Everything going on is indeed about me. So let's talk about loneliness First, I just want to read you some statistics. This is from uh, Cigna. Some will be on your screen. I'm going to go, I'm going to go off here. So uh, nearly half of all Americans report that they are uh, alone or left out. One in five people report that they are rarely ever close to anyone. One in four Americans rarely feel as though there are people who really understand them. Two out of five Americans sometimes always feel that their relationships are not meaningful. 
They're isolated from others. Generation Z is the loneliest generation in our country. So why the loneliness? We we can be with people, connected to people, quicker than we've ever been able to in the history of the world. Why the loneliness? One sociologist says this. He says, we have failed to master the art of love. And here, here, I'm not going to quote him directly, but this is, this is basically the thoughts on what he says. As a, as a society, we do not believe that there should be any waiting in our wanting. We do not believe there should be any sweat in our efforts, and we, sh- we do not believe that there should be effort in results. That is common in our culture. I guess there are uh, there are uh, apps on smartphones that where where young people or old people whoever can hook up they're, they're hookup apps <laughs> where you could go on an app and be with someone in the next thirty minutes to an hour and we're the loneliest we've ever been because we've reduced love to a commodity. And the consequences are this. Convenience has become our Lord, and therefore we become shallow and lonely people. We are lonely. It doesn't stop there. Narcissism. Let's go, let's go to nar- narcissism. So in Greek mythology, I'm going to just read this straight off of Wikipedia. I, I know, I'm brilliant. So, um, so, so in case you don't know this, Narcissus was, this is in Greek mythology, Narcissus was proud in that he disdained those who loved him, causing some, of, cause, causing some people to take their own lives to prove their devotion to his striking beauty. Narcissus is the origin of the term narcissism, a fixation with oneself and one's physical appearance or public perception. Now, thank goodness this is only Greek mythology and that we know nothing of this. That we would find a pool of water to stare in and never take our eyes off of it. I was reading, um, so, so I do read books, counter to what some of you might, may, may believe. Um, I do read books. In, in this instance, I was actually just reading a blog that was about a book, but just take comfort, I do read books. Um, there, there, there was a blog uh, called The Geek Psychologist, and he was blogging about a book called The Road to Character, all right? And, and here's what that, this book, The Road to Character, says. It says, Between 1948 and 1954, psychologists asked more than 10,000 adolescents whether they considered themselves to be very, to be a very important person, okay? Now, think about those years in 48 to 54 and what was going on in our country and like, okay, like, so we're we're not talking, are you important in the eyes of God? Like, are you created in the image of God? Like, that's not what we're talking about. We're like, on the grand scheme of things, do you really matter, okay? That's kind of what we're getting at. And and here's what it says. At that point, 12% of the 10,000 adolescents said yes. The same question was revisited 
in, like, in, in the late 80s, 1989, 1990. And this time it wasn't 12% who considered themselves very important. 80% of all boys and 77% of all girls believed they were a very important person. The median narcissism score has risen 30% in the last two decades. 93% of young people score higher than the middle score just 20 years ago. The largest gains, this, this is so bizarre to me, the largest gains have been in the number of people who agree with the statements, I am an extraordinary person and I like to look at my body. <laughs> oh our world in society and might I say in the church narcissism reigns so, so what, what does that cause? it causes instead of seeing people as family other people just become important for what they can do for me See, narcissism causes us, instead of seeing each other as family, we look at people and say, how can they help me reach my goals? How can they make me feel actualized? As opposed to living like a family where we say, well, that's, that's someone that I can do something for. That's someone that I can serve. That's someone that I can listen to. That's someone that I can forgive. Because that's what we do in a family. So what do we do with this? How do we combat the loneliness and the narcissism? How do we become a healthy family? And the answer, quite simply, is we can't apart from the gospel. See, the gospel invites us, but it also unites us. So we read Acts chapter 2. You can read later in Acts chapter 15. It says, And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit. Just as he did to us, and he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. So how do we combat this? How do we become a family? The Holy Spirit must make it happen. What is it that the Holy Spirit does? What is the result of, of a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit? I think we learn this in Acts chapter 2 and Ephesians chapter 4. I want to just touch on two of them. A couple of results of a sensitivity and a leading of the Holy Spirit will be devotion and unity. I want to talk about those. Devotion and unity. First, Devotion. Devotion to God, first and foremost, then devotion to one another. And it's not just here on Sundays for one hour a week. We read Acts chapter 2. That was not just a thing they did periodically. It was a way of life. Acts chapter 2, they devoted themselves to all these things. Apostles teaching, the fellowship, breaking bread, and prayers. They devoted themselves to those things. It was a way of life. Why is it such a struggle for us to do the same? 
Like the death, the burial, the resurrection, the indwelling of the Spirit, that changed their life and then it guided their life. And I think what maybe has happened is that we've, we, we've migrated to this preference-led way of living and we've abandoned a Spirit-led way of living. We live, and, and he, he, might I say we might even love out of our preferences instead of living and loving out of Spirit-led devotion. So I like to read uh, philosophy, and one of the greater philosophers that I uh, listen to, I don't read, I listen to everything that he says, um, is Ron Swanson. Um, so Nick Offerman plays the character Ron Swanson, Amy Poehler uh, uh, plays a, a character Leslie. Jenny and I love those two, and you can pray for us about that, but we like, it's all, so, so, so there's an episode of, of Parks and Rec, okay? And I, the episode was Valentine's Day, okay? It was, it was one of the Valentine's Day episodes. And, and, uh, and Leslie, Amy Poehler's character, was talking about a boy. She didn't, li- she didn't like her boyfriend. So, of course, Ron Swanson, who's deep, great philosopher, here's what he tells her. It's actually one of the more profound things that Ron Swanson said, aside from his bacon comments. But here's what he says. He said he's a tourist, talking about Leslie's boyfriend. He's a tourist. He vacations in people's lives. He takes pictures, put them, puts them in his scrapbook, and moves on. All he's interested in are stories. Basically, Leslie, he's selfish, and you're not. That's why you don't like him. Which got me thinking. Could, could there be some spiritual tourism going on? Because here's the challenge of relationships. The challenge of family is that our society, we love easy, easy on-ramps and easy, easy off-ramps. And could it be that church becomes a place where we just look for stories and pictures to put on our, maybe not scrapbooks, but Instagrams? Because think about tourism with me. If you just, just think about it with me, Okay. Um, you, you go on a vacation, and, and ultimately it's just full of opinions. And that's okay, but, but, but we go on vacation, we are full of, of opinions and hot takes. That hotel was great, that restaurant was terrible, that place we went to was so unorganized, the parking there was at the absolute worst. Like, this is all going on while you're touring, and then you come home, and your family's like, well, how did it go? And then you say, how was your trip? Where did you stay? What was your favorite part? And it's just all these opinions, 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 because that's what tourists do. They evaluate and give their opinions. Hill City Church, I'm going to ask you a serious question here. If you evaluated the time that you spend with church family, with other Christians, how much time would you be spending sharing opinions rather than being devoted to... To, the, to fellowship and breaking bread and prayers and generosity and praising God.
spirit-led family member will be devoted. The second thing that the spirit-led family member will strive for is unity. Ephesians 4. Because here's the reality. Acts chapter 2, you can read that all day long. That didn't last forever. Like that went south really quickly. Why? Because people. Like it did. It went south. Like this utopian church family thing doesn't. That's not how it is anywhere. Why? Sin, brokenness. But we have to understand, Hill City Church, that the the thing that unites us is way bigger than what divides us. And here at our church, we definitely want to welcome uh, some diversity of thought, diversity of opinions. And and let me just share that. I I did not grow up in a family where diversity of thought and opinion was really allowed, right? I was kind of told what to think, how to think, and I learned at an early age, just answer what they need to hear so this can be over. (laughs) That is not healthy. We welcome that. There are going to be different thoughts about how we worship, about how we serve the city. There will be different thoughts on what preaching should sound like. Now, I don't think there will be different thoughts on what the content of the preaching, but what, how, what preaching should sound like, what it should look like. And we're, gonna, we're going to differ on those things. But when we disagree, did you hear, you caught when we disagree, we will disagree. When we disagree, we cannot do it in a way that's prideful and harsh. So how? How do, how do sinful, broken people pull this off? How do we give the world a picture of God's love? How can we live like a healthy family? I think Ephesians 4 shows us this. We strive for unity that can only come from listening to the Holy Spirit. Hill City Church, the Holy Spirit of God changes everything. His Spirit at work in us individually, His Spirit at work here corporately will change things, and He, the Spirit of of God, will free us to approach things humbly. The Spirit of God will produce gentleness where there used to be harshness. See, unity within a family is essential. It's essential. So, so we got to talk about family just, just, just real quick. So I just got to pose some questions, right? Don't raise your hand. But, but have any of you had a family member do something that you disapproved of? All the parents are like, amen. Have any of you had a family member hurt your feelings? Have any of you wanted something different for a family member? course. See, see, here's what happens. We, we see Acts 2, and that goes south really fast. And then Paul has to reorient followers of Jesus around what was going on in Acts 2. And he, in Ephesians 4, he, he reorients and reminds them of, of, of what the Spirit does. Hill City Church, may we be reminded, because the same spirit we read of in Acts 2, the same spirit we read of in Ephesians 4, the same spirit is alive and moving in and among us now, like right now. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit will do is he will unite us, and he will unite us in two areas, in wisdom and in love. In wisdom and in love. I'm just going to read a proverb to to you guys, right? You, you, You do what you want with this. 
Think in terms of a family, okay? A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Okay, so, so then I go to Ephesians 4 and I see these words, humility and gentleness and patience and bearing in love and bonded. Now, okay, Proverbs, Proverbs 29 verses humility, gentleness, patience, bearing in love, bonded. If you had to pick which one of those sound most like social media? Let's go to Ephesians 4. Okay, we just got to read it again. There's one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. One, 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 one. And he ends it with calling God our Father. Hill City Church, we are family. So, so, so let me end with this, because here's how it goes in America, okay? I think here's how it goes mostly everywhere, but, but, but maybe here is how it might go at Hill City Church. You guys have probably read about, like, stages of love, okay? And, and I, there, are, there are, like, five stages of love, nine stages of love, four, all that, right? Well, I found something better. It, it, I don't know if you've heard of this. It's called the Gartner Hype Cycle. This is, it's actually from business, and it's a hype cycle over technology, but don't worry about it. I think it fits, okay? And here they are, right? Here is here's the Gartner Hype Cycle. I want to reword it. This is the, this is the uh, uh, Bible Belt church-going hype cycle. Excitement's the first part, right? Oh, this church is new. It's a new church plan. It's awesome. It's raw. It's authentic. Huh? Oh, they're the realest. Excitement. But not, that doesn't last, right? Because then you go to this phase of delusionment, or, or disillusionment, I mean, or, or, or letdown, right? Like the hype wears off. Like we had two or three Sundays in a row where I didn't get, I didn't get that high experience like I got. Uh, we, had a, we had a Sunday where, man, that, that didn't really, that seemed a little more fake than I'm used to. And the hype wears off. And it's at this point, ladies and gentlemen, where most people jump ship. And they're like, I got to go to where it's exciting. And then you know what they do? They go to where it's exciting and it's raw. And then guess what? Disillusionment. And then they go to another place that's exciting. But here's what happens. After delusionment, there's a phase. It's, it's called a few different things, depending on which one you read. But it's, it's recognition, acknowledgement. Some people would say enlightenment. I call it maturity. Oh, this isn't as exciting as it was. And actually, for it to stay that exciting is kind of not sustainable. All the married people say amen. 
And when you get to this place of recognition or enlightenment, this is when you go, you know, I, I should probably start giving myself to this family. I should start giving myself to this community. I should start thinking about church as a place I come to give and not a place I come to get. See, when you, when you recognize things, you, you, when you get to recognition, you go, you know, you start th- having conversations like, you know, maybe I, I should commit to this family. Maybe I should start praying about becoming a covenant member of this family. And then when you have courage enough to do that, you eventually get to the fourth phase, which is love. Where your treasure is, that's where your love will be, the Bible says. And most people don't get to the love of their church family because they don't invest in it. It's not their treasure. So their heart doesn't follow. Sadly, love, this phase, is the most elusive to us. To actually have a church, a church family, where you get to a point where you love them is the most elusive because we don't ever press and get past the disillusionment before we turn the page and need to go somewhere else when things get hard. That's not how it works in a family. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love one for another. Hill City Church, I want us to be a family. My heart breaks for us to become a family. So Jenny and I watch rom-com, so I know what this is going to sound like, but I had this for, I want a girl old with you. Right? You guys seen the movie Wedding Singer? It was a great song. Google it. Hill City, I want to grow old with you. I mean, we, we're in our fifth year. I've seen babies be born. I see, I've seen these kids grow up that used to be just pooping and puking, and now they're running around. I mean, it's, I love every second of it. Why? Because you're my family. I want to see your kids graduate high school. I want to do your kids' weddings. I want us to be a family. Jesus died for a family, not just so we could come here for an hour, and if I'm honest, two, three times a month. He has so much more for us. Let's pray. God, we're asking you to move within us and within our people, and we sang earlier, we need you, Lord. We need you every hour. We need you. We will never be a family like what you've called us to be without you. We need you to make it happen. Holy Spirit of God, move in and among us. May we be a church that lives out those values of Acts 2, those values of Ephesians 4. May the world see us and be put in awe. And you get your glory for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.